And here we are, we're back. Hello everyone and welcome to the fourth episode of Setting the World Straight. Um, this is my fourth attempt also at starting this podcast. I haven't hit record, I've recorded the wrong bits, I've had the, the, the comms not working, it's been a disaster but here we are attacking it for the fourth time so this intro is going to be slick. So we're going with the, the three-person um, attempt on it, like we did last time. So you've got me, we've got Charlie joining us yet again for his third time on the pod. And now we've got, for the first time, Sam joining us. Good evening. Um, what we're going to be talking about today is, um, sounds like a little bit of um, a cheesy phrase. Tough times don't last, tough people last. And essentially what we're going to be looking into is, what is the, some of the psychology that builds into people having... Um, tough times under arduous conditions and how they react as teams together and interestingly from that what can you do as a leader or as an individual as part of those teams to make yourself as effective as possible interesting topics for us as people in the military and um, there's lots of tough things that you go through on, on, on training or perhaps overseas operations for example um, but there's it's, it's got wider applicability all of us go through um, difficult and arduous times um, in our workplaces at different times. And I think some of the lessons that you can take away from the military are really useful. It's particularly interesting today um, with the, the trio that we've got here. So of course, everybody, we've all, we've all been through our military training, including some quite kind of uh, arduous and, and difficult times. Um, we all went through the, the academy at Sandhurst with, again, some quite challenging and interesting kind of leadership conundrums going on through that. Um, I myself also went on a bit of the... Um, commando training and the work with the British commando forces again some sort of tough challenges that come with working with that Charlie himself is about to go and have a go at that um selection and and training himself and I'm sure he'll he'll smash it with 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 flying colors um but that that in itself is a really interesting topic how can one prepare to go and do something challenging arduous and tough and then Sam's got some absolutely fresh experience last week Sam was on um the army's premier military skills competition down in the Brecon Beacons, leading a small team across arduous terrain, completing challenging tasks against a, a whole big international contingent. I think it's 48 hours, is that right? Um, yeah, 48 hours, uh, sort of 60 to 80K, um, so, like non, non-stop. And like you say, along, along the way, you've got a, a sort of military-style tasks that you, that you sort of complete as a team. Um, and and you, you go through it all... Um, altogether yeah i think they did you know challenging event they did really well um and i think he's got some really interesting points to take away from that so getting into it what are we going to talk about we're going to talk about five things today first of all we're going to go into what makes tough times tough we're going to break down some of the factors that affect you know this idea of something being tough what what, what exactly is it there that really makes it into something tough and, and how can we understand that a little better um, second of all, we're going to look at to how individuals and teams react to tough times. Different people react to it in different ways. Teams react to it in different ways, depending on their composition, their background. I think that's a really interesting topic to look at. The third topic we're going to look at is something called leaders' legs. Leaders' legs, what the hell what are they on about? It's a military term, and you might think, why on earth do we care about leaders' legs? Well, there's a good reason behind it, and we're going to explain that to you guys. And I think it's, it's really useful, and it's applicable way outside the military. Number four, um, preparing for adversity, as we said, particularly important for someone like Charlie's about to come up and do something quite difficult. What can you do to prepare yourself for that? Or is it a case of you just got to rock up on the day, um, suck it up and go through it? Which brings us on to the last point, an American term, um, embrace the suck. Okay, and that's all about finding a bit of pleasure in that adversity, enjoying it and kind of thriving amongst it. Um, and I think these are some, these some really interesting topics for us today. So first of all, what is it that we think, guys, makes tough things tough? So I think with this first point, I'd break it down to three different aspects. Firstly, the conditions. So whether you're on exercise, whether you're doing a, a physical training session, um, or in any different you know, scenario, the conditions are going to dictate to a certain extent whether that uh, you know, situation is, is particularly arduous, particularly challenging for you as an individual so i think that's the first thing to consider and clearly you know different times of year different uh, you know weather weather can kick in that, that makes things challenging i think secondly you as an individual so clearly you know you, you've got your own level of robustness your own level of physical and mental um you know strength beyond which you're going to start to hit that wall uh, if you'd like to use sort of running term um 
And so that second aspect about you as an individual and when you start to really struggle and, and feel that the fatigue and how that impacts on your performance. Mm. And then I think the third aspect for us as leaders is bringing the team with you. So it's not just the point at which you become fatigued and it becomes arduous for yourself. It's also looking around you, looking left and right and looking at when your soldiers' heads are starting to dip and therefore the challenge of bringing them with you because sometimes they're going to drop before you do and you're going to have to use some of that, you know, let's say 10, 20% energy you've got left to bring those guys over the line. Other times it might well be you that's flagging and you have to show and I won't sort of encroach on future points, but you have to show that kind of leader's legs, that that strength of resolve to, 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 to bring yourselves as a team over. So I think three aspects, really, the exterior conditions, you, the individual, and the team. A lot of it's got to do with, with comfort zone. Um, everyone's going to have their, their different things that, they've, that, they're, that they're bringing to the table from, um, from, from their lives, you know. You've got mm-hmm. um, a, a lot of it, I think, comes down to experience, um, if you've done something tough um, in the in the past, your perception of of a challenge is going is going to be molded by that experience, and everyone's going to have a different comfort zone. And so, so for me, it come down to comfort zone and mindset. Um, if you're thinking, if you're if you're visualizing a challenge or a challenging situation, and you're thinking about the entire bit, the entire challenge, that. Can, can come across as incredibly difficult to, to overcome yeah, but if you if you sort of if your mindset is that which is able to compartmentalize a challenge and um, that can make something seem a lot more yeah, uh, yeah. Like a lot of that kind of mental robustness stuff i don't really ever been on any training or heard mm. people do talks that's all it really centers down to isn't it is like i've got this unimaginable t- challenge that i just can't comprehend how difficult you know i'm rowing the atlantic i'm running up everest i'm you know doing whatever crazy thing and just to break it down to as that, you know, as the Chad fr- phrase goes, one, one step at a time yeah. um, and kind of turn it into like a real simple problem in your head and just be- become really like blind to it. But that's a really interesting one, which I think we might come on to later is like, as a leader, can you ever, w- when you're expected to see the bigger picture, can you really afford to be that guy who's just thinking one footstep ahead? Yeah. Can you keep thinking until the next checkpoint or the next milestone yeah. or the next kind of bit of feedback? And therefore appreciate how far it is. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting. We've already started talking there about strategies for coping with the arduous yeah. conditions. Whereas I think the point was, at what stage does it become arduous? And I suppose, therefore, what we're trying to understand is, is it that we as leaders are meant to anticipate when that, will, when that point will happen? Yeah. Or... Is it that, you know, we're thinking about strategies because actually it's always going to happen. It's always going to be there and it's always going to surprise us. You mm. know, how, how well do we predict when people's heads will drop or when our own, you know, fatigue will kick in? I, I don't know if you, from your recent experience, Sam, whether you, you knew when, when you're going to hit the wall or it was just let's wait and see. We were quite lucky um, sort of take, taking this experience as an, as an isolated event. We were quite lucky in that we had a... We had a bit of a practice go, so we were so prior to the Cambrian Patrol, we were invited to take part in a in, in a practice competition, and and as a team we looked at that, and and it was a shorter patrol, but all the all the checkpoints that that were going to be assessed were going to be similar, um, so we had that sort of free crack at the whip before the event we were training for to build up, um, so 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 for that I was very I was really interested to see what would happen um where people would drop because we we didn't have a huge amount of experience as a team before that um and and taking that i expected that um that the hardest times were going to be towards the end but actually one of the hardest times was at the beginning the first two kilometers yeah i mean we we had we had a guy who in the first two kilometers we were going up the first hill it was quite warm it was, it was sort of middle of the day and he turned around to the team we had, we had a water break and we turned around to the team and went Boy, he's not going to lie. I think I'm about to cry. <laughs> like that, yeah. that that moment of like at the very beginning, it it was just visualizing the entire challenge, and we we'd gone through the plan, we'd delivered orders, we we'd looked at the model, we'd looked at the map, and I think he got it in his head of, wow, we we've, we've really got a long way to go. Um, it's it's yeah. funny they they yeah. exploit that when when you go on your uh, on your commando training. This is a, a a secret we're giving Charlie here as well. But uh, on the on some of the the final events, so the final one of the final events you do is called the thirty miler. And it's you know a little bit of kit, and it's running across Dartmoor, quite a um, uh, uh, rough and, and steep terrain. And you start off, as you say, the first two kilometers, and you just like sprint. 
yeah. and you're sprinting up this hill um and you and it, everybody's just thinking in their heads, I, I can't do this i've got more than a marathon 30 to miles go. Yeah, like, no away. way yeah. i can do this and it's pure psychological games it's like yeah. can like can we get you at that early bit when the problem is so insurmountable mm. to doubt yourself and because after that it, it chills out and it becomes mm. a lot more manageable but it's funny how like even though you know it's coming um even though you've done all this prep beforehand and t- passed all these other tests god that self-doubt cre- creeps in you very quickly become an, an irrational person mm um when you're under that kind of stress and there's something i, I don't know what you guys have thoughts on is what builds that uh, at the fundamental level what builds that kind of irrational maybe that maybe we, maybe it's a panic maybe it's just a slow acceptance what puts people in that mindset initially to f- them to find something tough it's funny i think a lot of it's to do with being taken outside of your comfort zone yeah yeah and you know when i think about the civilian perspective when i chat with my civilian friends about what I do in the army, you know, they sort of ask questions about, you know, what's it like day to day, week to week, you know, clearly they have this sort of imagination of, of what the army looks like and what week to week training looks like. And for them, everything I talk about, everything that they can imagine is out of their comfort zone and therefore has the illusion of being, you know, arduous and strenuous and, and therefore impressive. And, you know, it's fantastic, you know, give myself a chuck up every time I sort of... Well, you thank know, you. Yeah, exactly, absolutely. But, you know, clearly once we're within the, the, the military circle, there is clearly a difference between a training establishment exercise, a commando course, you know, exercise, and, you know, something at regimental level. So I definitely think that uh, situation of being outside your comfort zone, potentially combined with being assessed in some capacity, obviously. Potentially, when it comes down to what are the stakes, you know, yeah. if you really want something. So, for example, the, with the commando courses, as an example, you guys have used the, the green beret at the end that you're given and the status that, that, that comes with that. The, you know, that that course is therefore built up more in people's heads because the stakes are higher. Yeah, yeah. You know? And that, that human, adds so it's human much, pressure, isn't yeah, it? Like adds so much to the mindset. And because that's it, like at a basic level, if we looked at it straight out, stuff that's hard is like things that are physically tough, you know, get your heart rate working, get your muscles fatigued. Um, this thing being cold, being wet, um, being tired, not having much food. Um, but actually, those things, if they haven't got the little ingredient of the human stress of, oh, I don't want to fuck up here and look stupid or I don't want to leave these guys, it, it can be a lot more manageable. Um, and it's just that little extra bit of the of the, the human stress of being assessed or being judged that we could we could potentially look at some examples around um, around the world of people who do amazing things. Uh, talk about um, Alex Honnold who uh, free solo El Capitan. You know, we everyone looks at that and goes, "What what an unbelievably arduous thing to do psychologically and physically." Yeah, he came across in the documentary and he said it sort of extensively in interviews and things like that, that he, he didn't really care what people thought. It was for him. And and he had a, he did a challenge before that where he did a free solo of Half Dome, which is another another face in, in the same valley. And it didn't give him the satisfaction that, that he wanted, even though everyone sort of said that's an unbelievable achievement in, in rock climbing. Mm-hmm. But he said, actually, that's not that. I don't think I performed that well on that. So it was like a... So, so people with that mindset where it's all for them and they don't care about what other people's perceptions of that are, you know, their, their threshold for their comfort yeah. zone is extended massively. I think it's a lot That's of a very powerful trait, isn't it? Yeah, but, yeah. but rare, you know, like God, as much as we might all want to who say we're individuals, you know, who doesn't get embarrassed? You know, we're such social creatures, aren't we? I think we bring it up on every podcast, don't we? Is saying that that um, kind of social judgment and, and things like that is a huge factor in leadership and teamwork. I've got an interesting thought. Um, I'll get going back to what we we're saying um, about challenges and those cold, wet conditions. I don't know what you guys think. And Sam, you might have an interesting perspective on this lately. If I look back to, we're just talking about the commander course. When did people break? People did not break on the high intensity. Um, they didn't break on the, like, right, we're just going to go sprint around this thing with some heavy weight on, you know, heart rates are absolutely going up there. There's people screaming and shouting at you. They didn't because uh, what they broke on was that we've had a tough day out doing this stuff. But rather than going back to the nice, warm um, barracks, have a shower, refresh your kit and all that kind of stuff like that, um, it's when, no, 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 we're doing that. And now we're going to go out and sleep in the pissing wet rain. 
in un, you know in a shitty little shelter that's, and we're going to keep doing that for several days that's the bit that really got to people is that i feel like as humans we can put up with arduousness in in it for a short period if we know I know when I'm going to get off this in relatively short time. I can look, I can, I can just hold on for that. Um, and I, I know I can reset from this and you can go and do a tough mudder or something like that. And oh, it's hard and it's tough, but actually, you know, you're going to, you know, at the, the end of it, you're end, going to be yeah, in the yeah. pub, but you know, the really tough times is like, you've gone out. You don't know where the ending and is. And you're like, when is the ending? And I'm about, this just never stops. Mm. Or it's, it's so far away. It can't stop. I don't know whether you ever had, where the Cambrian was long enough that you guys got that where it's like, there's no we're not going to bed we're, mm. we're walking straight through the night and yeah. going straight into the next day yeah those those are the those are the those were the most difficult times on that um i i, I agree that i don't think cambrian's long enough to to really get that um you it definitely feels long at the time and it feels like a long way to go when it when it's difficult that first night um that, that we had it was sort of um 15 18 hours in i mean yeah still got a day and you've a half you've got some quite interesting yeah. thoughts haven't you on the, on the day night thing i'd, I'd love to yeah, hear that yeah yeah so i so i think um that on 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 something like that you can be really tired during the day but not feel tired because you because because your body clock is used to being awake mm. um, but as soon as it got dark on Cambrian patrol it was you know seven the, it was it was 12 hours light 12 hours dark and the, and the day feels long but the night feels a lot longer um and your body clock really switches off so it really got a, a lot of the, myself and a lot of the lads you know um, you get really used to it on the breaks, you know, maybe um, like dipping your head a little bit and it's really easy to fall asleep where it wasn't so much in the, in the nighttime, in the daytime, sorry. Um, yeah, go on. It's, it's interesting. Cause I, my understanding is that we use sleep deprivation to simulate literally the arduous conditions of, you know, a firefight, of, warfare, of a life yeah. and death, war, you know, warfare scenarios. So, you know, again, in, in terms of reaching that arduous, those arduous conditions, you know, using sleep deprivation, you're know, deliberately you know, tricking your body clock. You know, that probably isn't something that we can train ourselves for. You know, as much as we'd like to think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm mentally I'm, I'm prepared for this, you know, physically I'm as fit as I've, I've ever been. Actually, when it comes down to it, that, that operating throughout the night, that sleep deprivation yeah. is, is something. And you can't train to be better at, you know, you hear some of these, oh God, I remember going out with some some American soldiers once and they were like, and they, they decided they just wanted to stay up. I was like, why are you staying up? They're like, oh, we're, we're training. We're training ourselves. And I just Practice don't buy it. Away, I don't think yeah. you can, it's not like physical exercise. You can increase your muscles, your mm. brain's ability to deal with it. No, doesn't matter how much you've done it. It's still shit. Mm. It brings us on to our next um, topic of today. And, and that's kind of talking about how do different people deal with this arduousness so we've talked about this example here you know when you're when you're tired and knackered i'll even put it up to you guys how you guys think you react to that or perhaps people you've seen because there are different reactions um some better some worse and sometimes it's a bit uncontrollable Mm. i think um keeping busy keeping your mind occupied is really important um if you settle in um i I thought i mean a luxury we've got in a, in a leadership role is that naturally during these these events you're busy. Um, yeah. Whether it's navigating or whether it's planning or whether it's constantly maintaining a, a sort of situational awareness, and that's not that's not just um, uh, military. That's if you're running a business, if you're running a sports team or anything like that, you're constantly planning st- you know, strategy and everything like that. Um, and I th- I think that's a real luxury when it comes to how people yeah. react and. Yeah. It, you know, we'll we'll talk about leaders' legs, but um, when we think about how other people react, we you have to understand your team. And you, it, a huge mm. part of how a team is going to get through arduous um, conditions, whether it be in a military or, or a civilian context, it's going to be how that leader, how that manager, how the captain understands their team and will understand when they'll find it hard and how to mitigate that. Because we, we've done this, we've talked about it before, haven't we, Charlie? With the, is it the Myers Briggs? Is it with the color? You get graded in different colors, you know, red, green, blue. And I think we said before, me as a as a, as a radio, and it's interesting. They'll give you the the readout on this particular one I did, and they were like, "This is your natural state." For me, I was a raging red, but they're like, "This is your like learned state." So essentially, under time, I'm if I'm self aware. I know that I need to down my red a little bit because you know it's not good to be all like this and, and I need to show some of the other capabilities. But under stress, 
I probably go back to my natural default state, which is a red. So for me, that's probably me being quite short, quite aggressive with people, certainly not um, not very understanding with team members. Um, so, and, and yeah, that's probably, maybe that is me under, under stress. I, I, I can catch myself going back to that. And if I don't have a, it in the back of my mind to watch it, it's very easy to, to be a bit snappy. If, if you're someone like me, how about you, Charlie? You said you were a, a green. How does a green react? To- yeah, I, I imagine that a green would go more into his or her shell, um, become a bit more quiet, a bit more reticent. Um, speaking from some personal experience, um, you know, sleep deprivation does not go well for me. I, I, <laughs> I, quite frankly, I fall asleep. It's hardly surprising, you know, most people do eventually. Um how do I compensate? Is it physical comfort and, and food? You yeah. know, you find yourself sort of frantically eating just for the sake of, of, of doing something to, to pass the time. I remember getting told at Sand- I don't know whether this is bollocks or not. I remember getting told at Sanders. A lot of things were bollocks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of uh, urban legends there, let's say. But um, people being like, yeah, if you eat loads, that will starve off the sleep deprivation. No. I don't know. Maybe it's like, yeah, it's it's one less thing to be stressed about. At least I'm not hungry, yeah. you know. I think if anything, it, it fuels the stress, doesn't it? Because suddenly you're, you're now worrying about, oh, crikey, I'm eating all this terrible, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to have any food sugary for the foods. Yeah. Oh, I know yeah. that too, I I'm suppose. Yeah. No, but it is interesting, isn't it, to consider uh, physical coping mechanisms versus mental ones. You know, uh, do you, you know? Do you focus on keeping yourself busy? Do you focus on administrating yourself to to, to your best, uh, you know, ability in order to I don't know, stay physically kind of cognizmentous? Um, and actually, you know, fundamentally, uh, as, as leaders, it, it's like Sam said there, I think, knowing your team, knowing how each one of those individuals will react. And therefore, it's, it's having that um, personalized, personalized response yeah. to each individual because they're going to need different things and different motivations to, to get them through that. I completely agree. You know, yeah. The more you know your people in depth and know how, how, what makes them click, you can, you can give them a bespoke response. Um, probably more t- difficult when you're tired, isn't it? But here's an interesting account of that. I don't know what you guys think. Um, the time when, and I'll say this from someone who's been shaken out of this state and perhaps on the shaking as well. For someone, everybody's uh, uh, having a, they're under arduous conditions. They're having a tough time. They're feeling sorry for themselves, a bit moping around. And then you, you got to shake them out of it and say, get a grip. Come on, remember why you're here. Remember your soldiers. Remember what we're, what we're doing this for. Now, I've probably done that a couple of times and I've definitely had it done to me. And it bloody works. Really Getting works. almost like, I don't know whether it's shamed or something. If somebody's like, come on, look a little, stop looking so introspectively. So how do you throw a bucket of water over someone without throwing a bucket of yeah. water over them? You know, like, do, Great you, do, you, do you look at them? I mean, I've, you know, had, had exactly the same thing where they, oh. there's, been, there's been a, a suddenly very stressful situation that's happened and someone very key to that has kind of had, had a bit of a thousand yard stare. And, you know, by you know what what you need from them how do you communicate that really clearly and and you know i you know tapped them basically almost, almost didn't click at them in the face but i looked at them dead in the eye and i said right look look, look at me listen and then they focus and then it, and, you know that was a method that i used um and, and then you give them a very simple very clear sort of instruction demand question um and, and then they're back in you know mm. Um, and it's and people, it, that, that, I feel yeah, like, how do you how do you throw a bucket of water of someone in that scenario you know you think if we're doing that in the cold light of day we're doing that in the normal workplace if you kind of were that direct to someone and say come on shake yourself out of this god you'd be really offended but then i feel like when you're in that mind state of you are actually really hanging out and you kind of needed that i don't feel like people do take it too to heart i think what they don't want they certainly wouldn't want to be reminded of it later because it's quite an embarrassing thing yeah. to think that i've been but at the time i feel that um people are quite open to it so where you can a really bit... gain a lot of respect um as, as a leader is if you if you if that happens and and you react to it like that and then nothing further said i think you can gain yeah, you can, you yeah, can gain a really lot powerful. you can gain a lot of a lot of respect from from an individual because in trust you know you, yeah secret safe with me you know and and set and vice versa you know yeah yeah and, and also the other aspect of that is one in my opinion, one strength of, of, of the sort of military um, working environment is that you don't take these things personally. You know, at the time, it is necessary to do this or that, to speak in this tone, to gesticulate in this way. But then, you know, later that night, the following morning, the next week, it's gone. It's, you move on. And, and 
at the moment you understand why it happened and you don't hold any sort of grudge or or or, or you know look back at it and kind of question it or, or hold that kind of um, antipathy towards the individual whereas you know I, I wonder whether in the civilian world that yeah, I was just about to direct say, yeah. approach yeah. would work as well yeah I know if you're if you're if you're running if you're running a business I I, I know that working in, in this you know we've all had civilian jobs before joining the army i've worked in office before i've worked on sort of laboring sites and things like that and and the, the communication is is different it is um more toned down and and maybe maybe it's because the the situation you may be in is slightly different i mean you know i think i think the examples we may be thinking of is mm. during maybe a kinetic situation and and the 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 by kinetic you mean war fighting to yeah, sort of yeah, say sorry, yeah, people yeah. shooting yeah. at each other essentially yeah, exactly. what we're talking yeah about. exactly potentially quite dangerous yeah. potentially quite you know full on straight away um whereas in in um i want to say maybe in a civilian i, I keep saying business context I'm, I'm thinking of an office a startup um, a high pressure sort of situation where yeah. where the stakes are high um but you but you potentially might not have the thousand yard stare that you've got and you may not have mm. the time pressure in the moment where an immediate thing matters hugely, you know, I don't know I, if that's a different, if you get the ex- putting that quite badly, but you know. no, no, because you've got the, yeah, you've got the, oh my God, what we're doing is important and we kind of can't get it wrong. And this, you know, and things need to be done quickly sometimes, yeah. but there's also that element of like the extremes of human emotion. And I wonder, and there's definitely areas that they, the civilian sector and other jobs will have more of an extreme of human emotion. But in some of this, we're talking about these tough times, these challenging times. How often is it that, um, God, in my civilian life before joining the army, had I ever been that tired as you were on those mm. kind of sleep deprivation exercises? Had I ever been that like, you know, you're on the 30 miler and your legs are just absolutely dangling out? Um, have I ever been that sort of tired? Um, however, have you, you know, ever been challenged in a planning context? You know, in that potentially not. In yeah, civilian, well, you know? well, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. but uh, and I, and this way, we God, we need a civilian on here really to say yeah. what what would you see as tough times? Because they might, you know, they might interpret it completely differently to us. Mm. So we're back, and now we're going to talk about that little bit of a weird and wonderful topic: um, leaders' legs. And do they shave them? Do they shave them? I don't know. It it does feel quite smooth in your duvet mm. once you've with some nice swimming. shave. Swimming is very good. Uh, yeah, hydro, hydro, no, hydro. Um, just feels good. Dynamic. Yeah, yeah. hydrodynamic. That's yeah, what I want. Yeah, really like aerodynamic well. water. Cool. So leaders' legs, what are we talking about? Um, It's a weird term. It's a military term, but I think it's got huge applicability to any type of leader. Now, what the hell do I mean by leaders' legs? Essentially what I'm talking about, we've got a group of people. They're taking turns at being in charge. They're going on a run. Suddenly, every time one of them is put in charge, he or she seems to have a little bit of extra energy, a little bit of extra zest, endurance, and they just seem to have a bit more about them. What the hell is that about? Is it that they're because they're being watched? perhaps or is it that there's something else this is something that we see um during military training all the time suddenly someone's put in um to a position of command and they just get something some new energy about them i think it links into some of the points sam was making earlier on about uh, the sort of psychology of being being busy and not having time to concentrate on on feeling sorry for yourself but uh, what do we what do you think guys uh, so i'm actually going to start by just questioning that uh one of the assumptions andy as, as to whether it's applicable to the civilian world for me it is a very physical thing leaders legs in a sense that you know you're on that pt session or you're in that like you say command appointment it, for me it's a very physical uh representation of leadership that kind of sudden burst of energy by which you you literally leave from the front i'm not sure if you'd have the same impact in say like creative industry where you've got one leader inspirational figure firing in all cylinders popping off all these great concepts ideas and and bringing the team forwards i, I don't know whether that has the same impact yeah, so i think i think in a creative on, industry you've got you've, you in the creative industry you've probably got thinkers and doers um so it's probably not in the sense of leaders legs that, mm. that we have where you know there's a very hierarchical structure i mean the creative industry is a really interesting one because i imagine you've got the people pinging ideas left and right but then you've also got the technical expertise of people who probably aren't ideas people but they're very good at operating a camera and can execute the vision um so so yeah that'd be a really interesting conversation as to yeah. you know what the difference is there um, yeah where there's no kind of like it's not leader, i'm in charge you know, it's yeah. like no i've got to group this yeah this bunch of different uh, brilliant people mm. together to make something mm. um useful so yeah. my take on this charlie and i, I don't know what you'd 
uh, agree with is actually that it's I think it's something psycholo- psychological and in maybe the running around example wasn't a good one maybe we're talking about we're going and we're doing something really tough the guy who's in charge just seems to have some more mental strength now I think that that mental strength I'm going to um, hypothesize comes from two things I think firstly that element of um, being busy being busy in your doesn't head. give you time to think about yourself do you so you're not worrying about all oh, my feet uh, or oh, i'm feeling a bit tired because you're thinking about it, either the task and you've got lots of things to do there or perhaps you're thinking about your team mm. and by going around bouncing around checking how they're doing and showing that kind of paternal um that that role suddenly it's time to go again suddenly you know and you're like oh god i, I didn't even have time to think about myself um and then i think there's also the second part of it is is there's that element of um you know, a bit of a bit of self pride, um, a bit of satisfaction. You know, if if you're in an organisation where you want to be a leader, you enjoy being a leader, and you take a lot of pride out of being in that role. And I think that itself gives you um, to be kind of wanted, to be useful, to be um, valuable to your team, gives you that weird little extra boost of energy. Other than you know, the guy at the back of the in in Cameron Patrol sense, all he's got to worry about is walking along carrying his kit carrying his machine gun yeah. um there's nothing much to really think about so he, yeah he's got loads of time to think about how bad he feels or she feels and he hasn't got maybe that same bit of pride mm. in being in like a kind of high status really useful sort position if, if that person um drops off mentally and gets themselves into that place in their mind where they are quiet and they're dealing with it it probably doesn't have the same impact on the team yeah, than yeah. if the the patrol commander does the and same that, thing. Well, that's a really interesting one that you know, getting into the well what? of self pity and yeah. kind of despair. I think that's a massive one. Like, who, what are your who, thoughts on who, that? Who bleeds into it more? You know, who, what, who's, who's, who, when, when you get into a situation like that, who, when they get into a situation like that, has the biggest impact on the team? You've got, if, if the patrol commander, the boss, the, the sort of business leader, whatever, has that that will feed into the team. Whereas if um, we call it a bod, if a, if a person without that responsibility has it, it probably doesn't bleed into the team and kind of rot yeah. the sort of uh, the core mindset of the team in the same way. And that works both ways. Leaders' legs in a negative sense of if you sort of uh, negatively de- sort of detract, but if you are the one who seems to be positive and physically there, that brings everyone up. Mm. Um, and I think as the person that everyone's sort of looking to for direction, looking to for that responsibility, it the same uh, the same feeling multiplies. Yeah. Um, it's really, uh, what do you think about like, I feel like it's, I always felt perhaps I was overly cynical about it. I think it's too easy, really cynical and kind of be like, oh, no one really wants my my lame kind of encouragement maybe you know who who am i to think that i can encourage this person who's perhaps older that, than that, me more experienced in, you know there's, there's sort of shakespearean speeches and things like that and we 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 look back at uh, sort of military leaders who like sort of rally the men and things like that and and exactly like you're like you're saying there i don't think it's necessarily about that mm. it's about just they if they are looking down looking down at their feet and they look up and you're standing tall and you're walking forwards and yeah. you're you're getting on with it they'll think right bloody hell, I've got to get on with it as well. You know, it's exactly that. Yeah. It's not about speeches necessarily. It's about, you know, when when they're hanging out and they take their heavy bergen off and they sit down, but when you do the same, you've got your map out and you're taking notes mm. and you're clearly still there, still engaged. They think, right, well, I'm still here. I'm still engaged. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, a, yeah, it's one of the key um, army leadership code things, which we don't really talk about that stuff because we sometimes think it's a bit obvious, but the whole, the, the importance of lead by example. If there's one on that list that is like king, I think it's that. I, I don't know what your thoughts are, Charlie. Yeah, I mean, to start with, absolutely. I do think lead by example is the is the top one on that list um, of, of principles that, that we're taught at Sandhurst is like the fundamentals of, of leadership. Um, this is something you can train for, in my opinion. This mm, is, okay. you know, as opposed to the arduous conditions, sleep deprivation, which I think we agree on the whole, it's something you, you have to, you know, embrace as and when you're 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 put in those situations. I think leaders' legs, from a physical sense, you can absolutely prepare for it. You know, if it is a physical challenge, you can be as fit as you as you can be to give you the best chance of of injecting that energy when when you need it. But also, 
actually practicing that mental piece. And I think mm. I do agree with you, Andy. I, I'm probably a bit too narrow-minded of me to think purely in the physical sense. It is applicable to to the civilian world. I, I shouldn't have been so um, specific. specific, yeah. But it's something you can you can train yourself to do better. You know, whether it's on the smaller exercises, whether it's in the mental preparation that you do beforehand. You know, it's like Sam says, when you have that 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 break in the exercise, when you have that um, period of rest, when all your lads uh, and ladies are maybe flagging, that ability to do the right thing, you know, on a difficult day when it's raining, yeah. you know, t- to get your map out or to, yeah, admin yourself in a way that you'd expect your lads to do. That is something I think that comes with practice. Yeah, because I remember you mentioned it um, uh, right at the beginning of the podcast, Sam, was about... Um, yeah you're not no one's born tough no no one's born. you become tough through experiences and i think there's sometimes you know you can think oh god but i've had a really i've had a nice comfortable upbringing my my family life was lovely and uh, how the hell can i be tough i've not come from a you know a a, a really rough background that that tends to obviously Mm -hmm. make people quite quite hardened but i'm a firm believer of of you can become more tough and, and i think you become more tough as charlie said by doing tough things you know you build that resilience subconsciously and, and maybe sometimes it's a, it's a conscious thing and you're like oh well i have done uh, okay so you know we're talking about that 30 mile i remember when i was doing it on the 30 miler and, and it, i think you have to do it in eight hours and i'd done the year b- before um an iron uh an iron man triathlon which i think took me oh god i was really slow i think i was like 13 hours but i was like oh i have done something physical for 13 hours this is only eight hours so there, there was definitely like a come on don't you know this you are going to be able to pass this which was really helpful but there's definitely i think more powerfully there's the subconscious bit the more sort of hard things you do your brain just gets accustomed to it um i don't know what, what your thoughts are. no i completely agree i completely agree i mean i i think um the, the hardest thing that you'll ever do is probably the first really arduous thing you're going to do um, great great quote, and, it's, yeah. and it's that self-doubt um I, I, I exactly the same at university. I, I stupidly lived with people who were really into triathlons and they made me buy a bike and made me do those triathlons. And, you know, exactly the same. I didn't do a full Ironman. I did a half Ironman. But, uh, you know, I, I remember com- <laughs> I remember co- coming up. I remember in the, driving to that with all these really impressive people who have done it all before and being really nervous for it. And the sense of achievement I had after that was was immense. Yeah. And, going through Sander, some of the, some of the exercises we did, some of the command appointments I had, um, I found extremely challenging, which made my experience on Cameron patrol much, mm. much more sort of, um, palpable for myself, which, which, which helped me. And there were, there were people who, who were on that patrol who were very junior sappers and, um, they, that would, that would have been by, by a quite a long way, the hardest thing they would have ever yeah. done um sap is yeah. a young soldier yeah private soldier, yeah, army, private yeah. a private yeah so they're very junior privates and they um they'll they'll now go go on in their career yeah knowing when they do their exercises when they promote um they'll they'll be like well i've, I've done cambrian patrol and i you know did did well on it and this now will will be easier you know? yeah because that's I a really interesting experience is huge but perspective as well if i think back to what I thought at the time were relatively tough things when I was 17, 18, 19 years old. I think, oh my God, those were really, really tough. Probably if I went and had a go at them now, I'd be like, oh, I don't know what the whole big fuss was about. But I hadn't, you know, you're right. I hadn't done that. Um, you know, so when you start off straight at the beginning of Sanders, it's really, really hard. But probably if you went and did exactly the same thing now. Although here's an interesting one. I don't know what your thoughts are. Is we've talked about you can build that those mental calluses through doing difficult things. Can you lose them through living a little bit too much of a soft life? And then that would be my first question. And my, my second question would be like, can you go too far, push yourself to breaking point and actually take it almost like a, a step backwards in, in, in your, your kind of self-confidence and your resilience thoughts? I think yes and yes, to, to be honest. Um, you see it within our uh, line of work and you also see it, I imagine, in, in the broader civilian world people that have settled into a certain job in our case you know a certain rank um and they are comfortable i love our desk and charlie's you know hating now yeah (laughs) you know these individuals uh, and they feel like they've they've done it you know they've made it and and actually they now deserve to have this um more more comfortable uh, existence and you know that works in some cases and i'd say it probably doesn't work in other cases uh you know 
in terms of the efficiency of the work they complete and also the the quality of the work they do um parking that to one side can you get burnouts by the opposite extreme i'd, I'd absolutely suggest you you could um again it's probably not hard to to, to to see examples both in the civilian world and in sort of military circles that, that's a classic thing of of a leader suddenly kind of doing quite erratic things and, and making quite sweeping statements being very short and, and impatient with people is sort of warning signs of you know are you yeah, okay? What's going on yeah, there? It, and it's very easy, isn't it, to be, you know, we, we can, as subordinates, be quite critical of our leaders. And you're seeing them with quite a critical eye and to be like, oh, he's just an asshole. But actually, it's like, no, what, what pressures has is, is driven him to behave like that? I think, like I think that burnout's because, a really, a, an interesting one. But I think as well, it's just, it's just maybe com, um, complacency. Um, so so you, you can be burnt out if it's if, if you haven't had that period of rest, if you haven't had the time off, you know, I think that I think those are the things that sort of lead to burnout. But I think complacency is a, is a completely different thing where mm-hmm. you, you maybe achieve something. So you, you mean, obviously achieving an Ironman, achieving commando course, you could have very easily gone into future jobs and gone, wow, I've done it all, you know, and then you and then same, same with me, you know, after Cambrian, you could think, oh, I've done it. I've led this patrol. I've done this. I'll, I'll go on another exercise and I'll smash it. But then suddenly something comes in that's more dynamic, that's 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 more difficult, it's more challenging in a different way. And, and you yeah, realize you're not mentally prepared for it, are you? Because you think you've got yourself you, exactly. in that. Yeah, yeah. And that's a really interesting one. is a really, really big one when it comes to, um, yeah, I like you know, that. When it comes to, to failing after success. Have you guys, uh, sorry, Charlie, go on. No, I, I, am I allowed to make political examples? I, no, no, go for it, yeah. I mean, if you take two... As long as you don't say your political sort of stance. Yeah. Right. Remain neutral. Let's take two conservative prime ministers, <laughs> Margaret Thatcher and David Cameron. I would argue that Margaret Thatcher um, had burnouts by the end of her time in office. You know, you, you look at some of the policies she was pushing, some of the way that she behaved in cabinet in the late 80s, early yeah, 90s. Yeah, more erratic, yeah. Very erratic, yeah. And there's a reason why, you know, eventually she's, you know, essentially... Um, you know, there's sort of a coup against her within the, the, the Conservative Party, and then someone like David Cameron, kind of always perhaps wore his responsibility quite lightly. I would argue that he became quite complacent, and mm. so therefore, by the time of the Brexit referendum, that is a it's a big gamble for him that's not paid off. And I think there you've got the sort of complacency kicking in. Someone who was probably dealing with situations outside your comfort zone on an almost daily basis as as Prime Minister. And, you know, so I think perhaps two examples there from the civilian world. I, yeah, I felt yeah, like no. I should offer examples there. Yeah, we do get to, really uh, and I was trying to think, and for me, I don't know if you guys ever follow some of the stuff Elon Musk does. He's a, he's obviously a, a grade A um, crazy man, but with some crazy good ideas and some, some real big brain on him. And I've seen him in quite a few, you know, you see him uh, five, 10 years ago. And he's in interviews and he's so kind of cool and measured, even though he's talking about these multi-billion dollar projects and these, these really complex topics, which he can kind of um, lucidly recall and, um, and articulate in, with simplicity. But I've seen him in quite a few things recently and I'm getting that sense of burnout. And you look at how many, oh God, how many things that guy's doing and, and whatever other stresses he's got in, got in in his life. You're like, wow, even the, even the greatest of us. And I wonder whether we will start, whether we will see some, some crazy decisions from old Elon when he's when he's under that pressure. An example for Sam, Pep Guardiola. Can you um, think of moments where Pep Guardiola's visibly had burnouts on post-match interviews? Yeah, I think um, you know every Champions League semi-final. Sam's been. a huge Man City fan, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think um, you know he he potentially has uh, an, an erratic. Uh, Sort of, you could I mean, being being completely serious. I mean, you could say that maybe um, a lack of sort of achievement when it comes to to, to European football is talking quite specific sort of football, whatever. But I mean, um, his his criticisms from his critics are his sort of lack of success, as it were, in the last ten years in in, in Europe. Um, and and it, what it boils down to is very specific, short moments in key games towards the end of the season. Um, and you know, I think he's a, I think he's a genius. I think he's a god. Um, I think he's a beautiful man, um, and I think he does everything perfectly. There we go. Right. Not not biased at all. No. Um, so he's got lovely legs as well. That's it. Oh, better <laughs> it's about leader, leader's legs. legs. Yeah. Um, I, before we go on to the next topic, I, I want to ask everyone a question. Um, and uh, if if I'm putting you on the spot and you're gonna have a think, just let me know. But uh, what event for you guys in your lives or, or an event you're prepared to talk about? would you say has brought you the closest to that kind of catastrophic leader 
under stress, under um, tough times, and has brought you closest to to losing it, you know, or or, or perhaps um, failing in that kind of of what you would want to be yourself. If you, if you guys need a second to think, I can I, I'll, I'll use mine. Do you want a second? Yeah, okay, so straight on with me. Um, yeah, so mine is is actually is a non-military thing, and it's um, it's related to my one cool story of something I've done. And me and me and a friend um, a good good while ago, we decided we we're going to ride bicycles the length of Europe, start off the top of Norway, end up in Spain, or see how far we would get. And I think that's it. You know, we'd never done anything like that before. Never, never, never. But we started off with all this boyish enthusiasm, you know, absolutely kind of yeah, attacking the problem. And it was as soon as it started to dawn on us how big a problem this was, like we were talking before. I think it must have been that, I don't think it was even the first day. It was the first hill. Went down the hill, you're like, ooh, yeah, absolutely awesome, this hill. And then, oh my God, my bike weighs 50 kilos and I'm like trudging it up in the lowest gear. And, you know, and that wasn't too bad that you, you got through it. But it's when you stopped to camp at the end of the night, got your little map out <laughs> and looked. Oh, where where are we on Europe? Uh, well, we can't even see that. Where are we on Norway? Oh, well, that's just about visible. And you're like, oh, my God, this just goes on and on. And you can kind of you you lie to yourself and you say, oh, no, no, we've done really well. And you pat each other on the back. And you say, oh, no, we're just doing this for fun. We're not really trying to get anywhere. And that, that bullshit you tell yourself only lasts so long. And I remember, I think it must have been a week into this, and it was just endless, endless miles of fjords up and down, up and down. And I think that's probably the closest I've come into my life of being like, yeah, I, I, I'm done. Like, I, I can't, this is too much of a big Absolutely problem for nothing, me. I can't, mend- no, physically, I could keep kind of, you can pedal pretty slowly on a bike and just keep going forever. But um, yeah, that, that was the closest I came. And and also, I didn't have a team. You know, it was me and another guy. He was a slightly better cyclist than me. Always That's breeds a, a bit one. of bitterness. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's my story. Um, it was the insurmountableness of just mm. and the relentlessness of it of it going on and on, rather than the pure physicality of it or the arduous, you know, weather conditions or anything like that. It was actually really nice weather. I bet it was beautiful. I mean, beautiful scenery up there in the Arctic Circle. Um, I'd I'd say that that for me, it, it's it's a really similar one where it was me and one other person, and we were given we give gave ourselves a physical challenge. And I thought that we'd mapped it out. Um, so I had in my head, we, we, I mean, this, is, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier about do you have, a, do you have an end that you're visualizing or is it endless? Do, do, do you, can, can you not tell where, it, where, where the end is? And um, me and a friend, we, were, we, you know, we had this hiking challenge where we were hiking sort of the, the width of, of the country and everything like that. And um, I got to a point where I was losing it when we got to the point where we said we were going to stop and we very much had goal different goals uh my goal was to finish and his goal was to essentially do it as quick as possible and, oh, and yeah and that's yeah. and that really bred um a, a friction um Almost, so, and it comes becomes resentment quickly, doesn't really, it? Because you're yeah. like, "Hey, man, I'm just trying to get through this, and yeah. you're trying to, and you're trying to, you're trying to smash me. it." Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And it's a, and it is a real resentment because you think like, "Why are we? My pain is solely like linked to your like." My perception was it was solely linked to his ego, yeah, yeah. you know, and and that and that that's, I think that's a huge thing where you've got to really be clear about your goals at the beginning and, and, and you get in your own head don't you and you mm. don't communicate and actually yeah. you guys probably could have had an honest chat really about easy. it and he, and you're he, getting stressed and, you're getting angry but i didn't want to say that to him because then he's won <laughs> but yeah I, that's something about I, you there Sam. yeah yeah exactly you know i yeah i think um i, I think being very clear about goals is, is quite clear. i mean if you talk if we're talking about if we're talking about this in like a sporting context i think being very clear about your goals is like who's there to finish because it's a huge challenge for them who's there as a very experienced veteran who wants to you know really push the boat out and really like achieve something in 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 the wider sporting context and and is there a friction there and if there is then there may be um there may be something along the way that sort of blocks that jocko willick talks about this in extreme leadership yeah you know when he's extreme talking own, about ownership sorry extreme, extreme ownership, ownership yeah. you know talking about those boat teams in the us seals selection and it is all about just focusing on you know getting to that flipping boy and then getting back again and then just the leader just talking to his team all the time he's got one more get to that next uh you know junction and then that's how they got through it uh, you know for, for him and it's uh he 
tells it in much more a much more engaging way. I recommend you all to read uh, <laughs> yeah. Extreme Extreme Ownership. He's very uh, direct, maybe. Yeah. He's got a really lovely voice for podcasts. He has got well. a really yeah. nice voice for oh, podcasts. He also right. is a scary looking man. Charlie, what, did you have an example? Because you think of one. It's all right if you can't. I'm going to be honest. Listening to Sam's story, I felt quite guilty because I am that guy. I am that guy who Charlie is who, ridiculously who, athletic, like, becomes competitive and, and wants yeah. to suddenly change the goalposts. So it's important to really watch that. Um, I also suspect on the cusp of doing uh, the All Arms Commander course that there will be moments on that where the goalposts change. I always like that on Cambrian yeah. Patrol at the end. I did Cambrian Patrol. I did. <laughs> I um towards the end. You did really well as well. Yeah, yeah. T- towards the end, I maybe it was leader's legs. But towards the end, I was physically and mentally there. And I was, you know, I wasn't the only one, wasn't, you know, I'm not saying that I was, I was the only one there, you know. Um, but there were people who were, who were physically struggling. And a, a real lesson I learned there was patience. I really, mm, I really learned to be patient with the team and be very realistically realistic about their, um, their pace, their sort of goals. And I thought that was a really important lesson for me because I was almost at the end, doggedly sort of head down, trying to lead the pace and thinking, right, we've only got X amount of distance left. We've just finished the last stand. It's purely walking now to the finish. And then it's, you know, the debris, it's the last sort of event, whatever. Um, and, and, and I felt a frustration that the team was, was being a bit slow. But of course, they were getting to the end of Cambrian Patrol. There were physical sort of challenges that they were facing there, um, mainly between sort of their thigh and, and sort of arse area, chafing. <laughs> and, and, and then that was slowing them down. And I was getting frustrated with that. And I really had to, to sort of to, to rein that in um, and because it was really important as, as, as the patrol commander. It was so important to me to kind of have an overarching air of like calm. But that's like the way yeah. we always talk about in the podcast, the balance of leadership mm-hmm. and that balance of like, you know, I'm sure in scenarios you could go, your team could be hamming it up and actually you need to be a bit of a, 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 a slave driver and mm. get things forward. Yeah. But then there's times when, yeah, that you, you've got to, and, got to and that's, really that's the balance, yeah, isn't yeah, it? And yeah, knowing your guys yeah. to know yeah. which way do I need to go here? Um, Realistically, the, it, the right thing to do, you know, in that, in that scenario yeah. was, you know, just, just, just go at the pace, go at that pace and we'll just get there, you know? And yeah. yeah. And it's really interesting you use that example because it's made me reflect and think, God, back when I was doing some uh, whatever, a few odd uh, challenging things in the military um, with with soldiers, um, what were the things that they would bitch and moan, or I would overhear, or perhaps they would do it to me about other leaders, other officers, and things like that? They wouldn't really bitch and moan about even like someone's professional competence. They, uh, you know, uh, they wouldn't bitch and moan about that they, I don't, I, I don't know, um, got something slightly wrong. They didn't. They generally they were quite forgiving of that stuff. They hated it though. When someone would do would go would go sprinting off and have no awareness of the guy at the back, they really that was always would come up, and I think maybe in that person who's doing it mindset, they thought, well, I'm inspiring everyone here. I'm I'm sh- I'm leading by example. I'm showing them what good looks like and how strong you can be and being a strong character. And that's probably what they're thinking. It weren't a negative guy, um, but the that would come up time and time again. They would be like, oh, f, you know, Lieutenant Smith or Captain Jones. Mm. He just goes sprinting off like that, and they just thought they were complete tools every time. Really interesting. So that's, that's what Charlie's to be careful. Charlie's, Charlie's, there, Charlie's yeah. a very quick runner. <laughs> yeah. Just slow it down a bit there, Charlie. You're embarrassing us all. Cool. So a couple of examples there um, about times when you've come close to struggling, breaking point. What we didn't ask though is either how did you deal with it which is really what we want to learn from this or how would you, would you have dealt with it? You know, now you're a bit older, a bit wiser, a bit uglier. Any thoughts? I'll give you mine if you want first. What, I think, yeah, think. yeah, I think, I think, I think what it, what it really boils down to, I mean, the reason why I hesitate is because it just sounds a bit pump in my head, but it really is the answer. And it's mm. and, and it is communication. To be honest, um, the times where I feel like people have pushed beyond this is—I mean, I, I feel a lot more robust now. But w- when I was younger, when I was at university, um, 
you know, I, I do these, these bike tours, you know, we cycled that you, you talk about the, the length of Europe, you know, we, we did a similar thing in America where we did the West coast and then, and, and, and there was a time where I, I just felt that there were unrealistic goals happening. Um, we'll have to do a bike touring episode. Yeah, well yeah, yeah, I'd be really keen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we, there, there were just unrealistic goals there. Um, yeah, but, God, but it's think, so easy, especially yeah. with like, I feel like, I don't know whether it's a young men or maybe just young people mm. to be like overestimate. And there's a kind of, maybe it's a machismo thing of like, be like, yeah, yeah, we could do that. There's like a blase about, about the risk. I, I'm quite a conservative person when it comes to, when it, when it comes to sort of risk and plan. Like I've, I've got better, but I remember, I remember, I remember thinking like that, that they, they would justify my concerns by saying, oh, it'll just be fine. And I think, oh, well, well it's not going to be because we are going to run out of money and the bike is going to break down and we yeah. are going to, you know, like, and we are going to get tired and we are going to stop for too long and have not enough time and stuff like that. And I think it really boils down to just trust and communication. Um, and knowing your team, because there's yeah. also like, if you've got a whole bunch of people who are happy to be happy-go-lucky and just, hey, let's see what happens. And if something goes wrong, we'll just laugh at it. But if you've got someone in your team who's a bit more, and I'm probably, I'm similar to you, I'd say, you know, that would really wind me up really, that people yeah. weren't thinking about it. And I'm not, you know, in our, I don't think in our minds we'd say we want them to do it at any kind of ridiculous yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. And it's but not that, saying that we know, have to, it's not saying that we have to like plan down to like the finest detail. Like it's just about kind of being realistic about the fact that like, no, we can't cycle further than like a, we, we the can't, Tour we de France every day. Yeah, like, exactly, yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that is funny. Sometimes the, the, the challenges you'll set yourselves, you'll be like, should we put that in perspective of what a mm. professional athlete can do? Yeah. And then realize... And realize that we, we're on a tandem with a trailer. Yeah. <laughs> no, we can't do it. Oh, my God, yeah. No, so and I we haven't I'm, shaved our legs, and it's not well, aerodynamic. Exactly, yeah, you're losing like 30 seconds every Easy. 50 kilometers. For them. But, um, yeah, I was trying to think, for my example, what I did there, like, because it was a, a good while ago, I think we're really good about being early honest with ourselves before we got to that point of either having a fight with each other and i'm surprised in this whole trip i think we had two minor sort of like slight grumbles not even like an argument um which i think was was testament because as i said i'm a red so i'm, I'm prime for arguing but uh, but there was that i think we acknowledged early that like hey let's reset and we took a whole i mean we took a whole day off in this ridiculous expensive north norwegian like restaurant and Oh my God, it was so, and we were students, we had no money. Um, so yeah, we, we, we consciously took a rest and were like complete sort of day off reset. And then we lowered our expectations. We said, we're not going to try and do 120 kilometers a day. We're just going to try and do 80 kilometers a day. And quickly 80 kilometers became easy. And then mm. suddenly it was like hey, 120, but easy. But she will do that. It's compromise. It's like, a, so yeah, any, reset any marriage, our, you know, uh, and that wasn't, I think, even between us. I think it was just our, our understandings ourselves. And then being able to sort of set that goal lower and then achieve it would give you that sort of, rather than being like, oh God, we've only done 100K, it'd be like, oh wow, we've done 100K. Yeah. Um, so that framing, you know, w w was was really powerful. Um, and then there was also an element of once you get into something and you start ticking off some serious goals, you're like, oh God, we've hit Tron time now. Oh, we've hit Oslo. And oh God, we're doing, and then, you know. And then it just gets to that compartmentalization where you yeah. think, well, you know, you, 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 you're just clocking in the next day. Yeah. You, know, you just, if you can just get to the next day, if you can get to the next checkpoint, if you can get to the next sort of that physical is what, see, that's, milestone. I say that's, milestone. Yeah. that's the one I struggle with the most. I'm definitely yeah. on some ADHD spectrum and to like be able to simplify something and keep your mind very like Zen and kind of stoic. And mm. I'll just think about a step in front of the other. Oh God, no, my mind's bouncing really all over the place like it, thinking yeah. about all sorts of mm. stuff. I don't you know, know it's, it's the communication I try to make to the, to the, to this patrol where, you know, I was, I was, there, there were times where I found it quite difficult to communicate to them um, th those milestones because maybe the next milestone was quite far away yeah. and, it, and it was going to be quite demoralizing to say that. Um, and it was just a case of maybe this hill is four hours and it's uphill and it's night and it's raining, but it's just this hill. And then we come off and then yeah, we, yeah. you know, and then it's light and, you know, and, and I think- Which, I, Was yeah. that the truth? Because I, I, this brings me right back to school. I remember on the old Duke of Edinburgh expedition, which back then was, was quite a tough thing to do. Yeah, we we went out with a few, um, uh, you know, a few, a few characters in our year who hadn't done much of this stuff before. Um, and there was a few- Less able. less able um people who were who were struggling um yeah and i got i remember we had, had exactly that that long kind of uh to the next checkpoint 
And I thought, I remember thinking about it. I was like, how do we deal with this now? Because they are this close to breaking. If I tell them that it's 10 kilometers away and we've got to go over three mountains, they're just, they just stop. So what do I do here? And I was like, oh, I'm going to gamble this. Right, I'll just lie to them and just tell them it's over the next hill. Short-term leadership, this may be. But, um, and they were like, oh, okay, yeah, we could put up with that hill. Yeah. And, then and then once suddenly, we got over the hill, it's like, two. yeah, oh, sorry, I got. I think I probably covered myself and, and just said, oh, I got, got the nav error wrong there. It's actually over the next one. And we did manage to keep with it. So maybe unconventional tactic, it did work in that scenario. Yeah, I'm going to put it out there. I don't think this podcast should condone lying. <laughs> uh, a poor form of leadership and uh, you're going to lose the team in the long well, term maybe maybe if you need leadership in, in extreme short term it is useful i don't know pleading but there we go a little a little story of a different generous. approach yeah. um uh, at the end of the day did you get there you know we did, did you get there well yeah are you who, still in touch with those people but i did also do a bit of lead by example i did also carry their backpacks as well as me look out look how bloody hard i am yeah Wow, inspiring that is so impressive you must be so brave so the final topic we're going to talk about which i think we'll only we'll really briefly touch on and see if anyone's got any key takeaways but we're not going to go into it too much so we'll go with the final lines from from um, our two guests which is about embrace the suck taking pleasure in adversity any thoughts guys so i'm going to quote major dick winters uh, oh, from imagine. from Band of Brothers, you know the Tally Show, HBO, very good. <laughs> yeah, must recommend. Hang tough, you know that's that's his sort of his expression. Hang tough, and you know you, you saw the way that they, as a team, they as a company of individuals, you know bonded, you know sort of collective trauma of their of their training, um, you know in in America before D Day, and you know so that in, in terms of that hanging tough, embracing that dark space that you go into when an arduous challenge becomes an arduous survival. It's no longer you performing at 100%. It's you consciously performing at 80% because you know that you've got to sustain this for however long, undefined period of time. And so, yeah, absolutely. That ability to recognize the fact that it's a different scenario in which you need to sustain um, as opposed to perform at peak levels for a specific period of time is, is really key. Sam, what's your wisdom? I think it's all about compartmentalize the challenge and clock in for the next section. Okay. So it's all about thinking. I mean, I mean, one foot in front of the other. Just get, just keep going. Just because if you think about the entire problem, it's going to feel insurmountable. But if you break it down into bite-sized chunks you will be able to, you, you can walk to the next checkpoint. You can work to the next deadline. And if you, once you get to that deadline, think about the next one, think about the next one. Um, but if you think about the entire thing as a whole, um, it, it, it'll feel insurmountable. It's all about compartmentalizing the challenge and just doing those little bite-sized chunks because suddenly you will feel as though you're suddenly halfway. And then once you get halfway, Everything there is just a route downhill to the end. Um, I wouldn't call that wisdom, but I call that my final. No, I like it. I think it it was wise. It was very wise. Mm. Um, So, what is my final takeaway for embracing the suck, Um, enjoying that? And I'm going to go. We've talked a little about commando stuff here, so I'm going to go for a a little ender with that. Um, And I'll go for get get green lids on at home. Get get them all. (laughs) No, um, I'm going to go for the final commando spirit which i think is, is is i think is the most important one which is cheerfulness in the face of adversity is a classic one and what do i mean by that i mean you're doing something crap you can be all kind of noble and virtuous about it or you can just crack a bit of a joke about it you can start people laughing it might just distract them you can even moan about how r- rubbish this thing is and say to your mate oh my god isn't this so crap and he'll say, yeah, this is the worst thing I've done in my life. Oh, my God. And it become, and it, as long as you start laughing about it and start laughing about how funny it is. I remember a guy walking, um, we're in the, doing the final insertion march on the commander course. You're carrying, must be like a 50 kilogram backpack. You've got, and, and he had the machine gun as well. So there's some extra weight there. And they're great big guy. But I think when he told the story, he was crying. I don't know whether he was actually crying. He certainly looked pretty close to it. But he's walking up the hill. 
And it's when his mate comes next to him, where he's also got a machine gun, slings it off his shoulder and puts it on this guy's back, just as a bit of a joke. And so there we go, mate, have some extra weight there. And they just, both just start laughing. And it's those little things like that, um, t- taking the piss about out of how shit it is, which can really make you kind of um, reset your vision and kind of allow you to just think, you know, instead of doing this, you could be at home on the sofa with your girlfriend. And then they say, well, if it was your girlfriend, I'd actually rather be here. Hey, yeah. very good. Very good. Um, so that, I think, draws us to a close. Hopefully, we've discussed some really interesting stuff about um, uh, challenging situations, tough times, them not lasting, um, but about the tough people and the tough leaders lasting and how you can, and some practical tips about how you can manage that. Um, it's been a really interesting chat here today. Nice to have um, Charlie back. Nice to have Sam here for the first time. I think... Um, He's got something to say. I was just going to say thank you for having me. No, you, oh, he's, he's very polite as well. So to Sam's mum, thank you for raising him so well. Um, but that's it for this this week's episode. Um, this is episode four. Our viewership is starting to grow um, quite slowly, um, but I think people seem to be enjoying it. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, um, give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a share. Um, we have now got an Instagram page so you can keep better up the track of when we release an episode but generally speaking we'll look to release one every week um and hopefully it'll be something that you guys will enjoy thank you